Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We start today the sermon series we're doing this summer called Back to the Basics, uh, where we're going to look back at the basics of the Christian faith. And uh, um, if, you, if you read my Herald article this month, you'll already know that the reason why we're doing this has to do with the Green Bay Packers summer camp in 1961, which is a weird thing to say. Here's what I mean. In 1961, the Packers players showed up for summer camp, and it was just a few months earlier that they had come, you know, tantalizingly close to the NFL championship. They they were playing the Eagles, and they watched the lead slip away in the fourth quarter uh, of the championship game. They almost won the whole thing, and that's before they were called Super Bowls. Uh, They were already, in other words, a good team. In fact, a very good team. In fact, the second best team in the NFL. They're already a very good team, and so the players showed up that summer, and they were ready to sort of hone the fine points of uh, the game, the, the, the little tweaks they would have to make to win the whole thing that year. But Hall of Fame coach Vin, Vince Lombardi, uh, who they then, of course, named the Super Bowl trophy afterwards, he went a totally different direction that summer. The players showed up, they were out on the field, and to begin the training that year, he held up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. That's where they started. Lombardi's approach to training that year was to begin at the very beginning, to start from scratch, to start with the basics. And and remember, he's talking to players who have only months before come very, very close to winning the highest possible trophy in the game. And that summer, they reviewed how to run, how to block, how to pass. Concepts that these guys had been familiar with for many, many years. But Lombardi's approach was to go back to the basics, to return to simple ideas so that they would be deeply understood. And that part's important. That year, the Packers would shut out the Giants 37 to nothing for the NFL championship. And those words, gentlemen, this is a football, would set into motion the next seven years in which the Packers under Lombardi would win five NFL championships, including the first two Super Bowls ever. And so this summer, the idea is to use the Lombardi approach. We're going to head back to the basics this summer, and throughout our sermons we'll be focusing on the readings from the book of Romans where Paul does the same thing. We're going to hone in to the fundamentals of Christianity and the important points also that make us distinctively Lutheran Christians. And it's important to remember here at the beginning that there's a big difference between being simple and being simplistic. Lombardi's approach was anything but simplistic. You know, he began with very simple ideas, but that wasn't the ending point. The goal is to make those simple ideas deeply understood, and that's where mastery happens. And when those concepts are learned together with the people around you, you have a common experience. When when those concepts are taught and the experience of learning them is shared, it leads to common understanding. It also leads to connections between people, and that's where we're headed this summer too. We're going to begin with very basic things. But we're also going to begin with a very distinctive Lutheran idea. Today it's the idea that we are saved by faith alone. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is faith. 
Lutheran theologian and biblical scholar Martin Franzman says this. He says that faith has three main impulses. A recognition of who God is, a recognition of the desperation of human beings, how desperate we are, and then a desperate laying hold of, grabbing onto the promise of God. Those three things. And he's absolutely right in his definition of saving faith, at least right about the part that happens in your head, and we'll talk about that. But I want to take a look at those three things today. The recognition of God, the honesty about ourselves, and the trust in the promise of God. We'll look at the first two ones very briefly, and the third one in quite a lot of depth. So we're going to see that stuff in Abraham's faith this morning, and we're going to see it in ours too. So the first part of it is recognition of who God is recognizing God as God, recognizing that God is God, and by the way, I am not. You are not. Here's the end of verse 17 from our reading. In the presence of God in whom Abraham believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Gives life to the dead, calls things to existence that do not exist. That's God doing stuff that only God can do. That's God working when there's nothing to work with. It's God being the creator, being the redeemer, bringing life to the dead, creating things that don't exist. That's the first part of faith, recognizing that God is God and he's the only one. The second part of faith is, is, I mean, frankly, it's just flat-out honesty about ourselves and about who we are. It's an awareness of our own desperation as human beings. Awareness of the fact that we're not capable of doing really anything on our own. We're not capable of saving ourselves. If you remember Abraham's story, he and Sarah are childless for for much of the book of Genesis. They aren't able to have kids, but God makes the promise to him that he's going to be the father, and not just a father, but the father of many nations. Here's verse 19. Listen to this from our reading from Romans 4. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. See, part of the deal with faith is is it is totally and completely honest about who we are and what we can do. I mean, that's why it's faith. You know, if Abraham had looked at himself, if he looked at his wife and gone, I think it's probably okay, God made this promise, we can probably have kids, it makes sense, that's not faith. If they'd had a bunch of other kids together before they had Isaac, that's not faith. There's no place for faith there. No, the time when you rely on faith alone is the time when there's nothing else that can be done. Paul says this, uh, uh, I love this line in Romans 4, he says, Abraham hoped against hope. Faith happens when things are hopeless. When you look around and everything is hopeless, Martin Franzman, the same guy that we talked about earlier, he put it this way. He said, faith alone means trusting that, quote, God alone can work when there's nothing else to work with. God alone can work when there's nothing to work with. See, in our sinful nature, God has no righteousness to work with in us. Faith looks deep into our own heart, and it sees exactly what we're capable of as human beings. 
The eyes of faith see all the terrible things that human beings can and have done to one another. And then the eyes of faith turn themselves on our hearts and it sees the possibility for all those things in there. It sees the possibility for lies and lust, gossip and gas chambers. Faith sees our sin and knows that in our hearts God has nothing to work with, at least not on our own. But the third part, and the most important part of faith is that last bit, the the laying hold of the promise of God. See, for Abraham, it was trust that no matter how unbelievable it might be, no matter how ridiculous it might look, remember, both Abraham and Sarah, when they hear the promise the first time, they laugh about it because it sounds silly. But no matter how ridiculous it might look, no matter how much he looked around and saw evidence to the contrary, It was faith that God promised he would be a father. And not just a father, but the father of many nations. Faith grabs onto the promise of God when there is nothing else to grab onto. And remember, faith also realizes that to stand before a righteous and a holy God, there is nothing that you can grab onto in your heart. You know, being a Christian means realizing that even the best things that you do are stained with sin. I don't know if you've done that before. Maybe if, when you, you pour over your motivations about something, even some of the best things that you do, the more you do that, the more you see you're probably getting something out of it for yourself. Even in your most selfless acts, that's true. Faith knows that we have nothing in and of ourselves to grab onto in our hearts, so it grabs onto the only thing that's there. And that's the promise of God. Faith grabs on to the love of God whose name is Jesus Christ. Faith grabs on to the promise that God made in his death and in his resurrection. Faith trusts God when he says, I forgive you your sins. Now, I've been kind of talking around this point for a little while right now. But I want to say it very bluntly because you would be surprised How many people I hear who have been Lutherans for their entire life and still get this wrong all the time? And so this is what I want to make sure that everybody understands. You can do nothing. You can do nothing to get yourself to heaven. You cannot do anything to get yourself to heaven. We'll probably hear a little bit more about that next week. Pastor Brandon's going to talk to us about grace alone, so that'll probably come up. But faith alone means the understanding that that's the position we're in, that we can do absolutely nothing to get us closer to heaven. Now, if you've been a Lutheran your whole life, you've probably heard that a whole bunch of times. But let me take a minute and just really quickly emphasize what that means. You can do nothing to get yourself closer to heaven, which means you cannot be nice enough to people, you cannot be loving enough to people, you cannot care enough for people, you can't pray enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't serve in congregational leadership enough. Faith alone means you can do nothing by yourself, not even believe enough, not even have faith enough, not even trust God enough. Faith alone means that you can't even have faith on your own. But the Bible gives us an answer to that. This is Psalm 22, verse 9. 
You are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. You made me trust you. Faith isn't something that you can choose to do. It's not something you can decide to do. Faith is given to you. Faith is awakened at your baptism. The Holy Spirit uses the word to sustain your faith. And in the sacrament, the one that we're about to take in just a few minutes, the body and blood of Jesus come to you and strengthen your faith. And there is nothing more important in your life than faith because faith and faith alone grab onto the promise of God in Jesus Christ. Here's why that's important. I'll be honest with you, I don't like eulogies at funeral services. I don't like them. And there's a lot of reasons why I don't like eulogies at funeral service, services. For one thing, I think eulogies, the, the, all the stuff that they seek to do in a funeral service is much, much, much better accomplished at the meal afterwards. I think it's stressful for the person who has to stand up and speak. I think for, through most of the service, that person dreads it, that person is nervous. But the main thing I don't like about eulogies at funeral services is that they almost always focus on the individual. They almost always focus on the person who's deceased. And they take our eyes off the gospel. They take our eyes off of the one thing that gives us comfort in the face of death. And so with all that in mind, I want to tell you about the best eulogy I have ever heard at a funeral service. It was, I think, I don't even remember whose funeral service it was. It was, I believe, the brother of the deceased, and the brother stood up and said this. He said, my sister did a lot of great things in her life, but right now, none of that matters. None of it. The only thing that matters, the only reason that we know that she is in heaven is because her faith in Jesus Christ and he sat down. That was it. Now that's a eulogy. That's saying something. I don't know if the rest of the family liked that very much, but you know what it did? It brought every single person in that room, every one of them, back to the only thing that matters, faith alone in the promises of God, which are given to us in Jesus Christ, because faith and faith alone grabs onto the promise of God. Faith and faith alone grabs onto the word of the God who raises the dead. Faith and faith alone trust that life is lived here with purpose, and it's lived after we're gone from here with Jesus. Faith and faith alone in the promise of God through Jesus Christ saves you. I don't know what they're going to say at my funeral. I don't know what they're going to say at your funeral. Because, but I hope they say that. Because that is the one thing that matters. Faith and faith alone. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.